It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Team Christine, Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. This is Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holidays. Welcome to a very big news day on The Guy Benson Show. What we're going to do in our opening moments is compare. See, I, I want to, I guess, put a disclaimer. I don't condone what Congressman-elect George Santos of New York's 3rd Congressional District has done. He's, he's admitted, so this is not alleged anymore. We don't have to uh, dance on the head of a pin and 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 any of that stuff. You can just say he's guilty of resume embellishment, probably more flat out not telling the truth. Uh, it used to be you didn't used to say the word lying, but in politics, but that's that's all changed. There's no rules anymore. It's um, it's as nasty as it gets. But here's my position on it. It was brought up a lot of this. It's 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 like the New York Times is getting some big, big collar. Oh, look what we've done. Look what we've investigated. Well, you you stink at what you do if you just found out now, because during the campaign, different things were brought up uh, where his opponent, the incumbent, this was a rematch, by the way, uh, the incumbent beat Santos two years ago. Santos came back and beat him uh, on November 8th. But here's here's the thing about this. You have to look at there's 435 House members and 100 senators. If George Santos has to go, then doesn't Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut guilty of many things, including uh, stolen honor? I mean, look at the laundry list of President Biden. I mean, got, my gosh, this guy took the actual life story of another person. Look at the list of Joe Biden. He lied about his grades. He lied about his first job. He, he lied. This is just off the top of my head. He lied about corn pop. I never knew about corn pop until Joe Biden and the rusty chains. He lied about a Naval Academy appointment. He's guilty of multiple plagiarism controversies. Uh, of course, there's 10 percent for the big guy. I'll just throw that in. He's campaigned in 54 states, uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you could bring up a, a million different things uh, and, and not be lying about it. Uh, nobody's saying he has to quit. So George Santos has some things that he said, said he worked for Goldman Sachs and one other financial institution. It turns out that he worked for some kind of outside company that did work with both of the firms, but he did not work with both both of the firms. So that is that's resume embellishment, they call it. And there were some other things. Uh, I don't understand. He's raised Catholic. I don't know why he campaigned that he was Jewish. I mean, I don't, I don't even some of this you can't you can't even understand. Some of it you can say, wow, it's somebody that wants to win and they want to make it look like they have a college degree that they don't have. 
from where I view all this, I'm amazed in any age, let alone a digital age, where all of it is easily verifiable. You go to a university. Uh, did George Santos ever attend? Did he ever graduate? It's really easy. You can get the yearbooks. Hey, uh, Congressman-elect Santos, what year did you, did you graduate? And then you go to the yearbook, and he's not in there. Well, did he miss picture day, or did he not? is he not in the yearbook because he didn't go there and never graduated? So all of this, how you could ever think you could get away with any of this in this day and age just makes no sense to me. But this was something that I believe he had to do. He chose Fox News to do it, in case you thought he had to do it. He didn't have to lie. But he had to, he had to answer to this because the heat is not on for Blumenthal to resign. It's not on for Adam Schiff and a lot of the things he said, provably false, about Russia collusion and all kinds of things. I've seen the evidence. No, you couldn't have seen the evidence because it never existed. So none of that could be true. He didn't have to resign. So George Santos decides to go on Tucker Carlson's show on the Fox News Channel. Uh, very smart decision. Obviously an extremely popular program with, with fabulous ratings. And it's guest host Tulsi Gabbard. So all this work was within the interview from last night uh, during Tucker Carlson tonight. And we're just going to give you some context to what you've heard, possibly, to what he had to say for himself. I'll go on the record right now. No way, no how should he resign. There are certain qualifications to be eligible to go into the House of Representatives. You have to be at least 25 years old, uh, and you have to have a certificate that you were elected. He's got, he's got everything you need to go in. If they later want to do something and send him to the ethics committee and bring him up on ethics charges, and I'll tell you what, then get to the rear of the line because that line will be very long. If you go after Santos, you got to go after all of them. And I think that's Guy's position as well. I'm not just agreeing with Guy Benson, who I usually do, but that's my position as well. Guy's not defending Santos's dishonesty and embellishment, uh, nor am I, but it's absolutely not something he should, he should not resign. Uh, all that does is give the Democrats what they want, and that's why the Democrat media, which is an appendage of the DNC, they're, they're part of the Democrat Party. They don't go after Biden with everything that we know, but they're going to go after Santos? No, sorry. That we cannot allow that to be the game uh, and the rules of the game the way that it's played. So let's hear from George Santos from Tucker last night with Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Dan, cut 10. And I made a mistake. And I think humans are flawed. And we all make mistakes, Tulsi. Um, I think we can all look at ourselves in the mirror and admit that once in our life we made a mistake. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see, and I have the courage to do so because I believe that in order to move past this and move forward and be an effective member of Congress, I have to face my mistakes, and I'm facing them. Um, the reality is, is that I remain committed to doing everything I set forward in my campaign. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a fake. I, I, I didn't materialize from thin air. I worked 
damn hard to get where I got my entire life. Life wasn't easy. It didn't start off easy. As I've said it many, many times, I come from abject poverty. I made some mistakes, and I own up to them. The, and now I want to put this thing past is, me so I can deliver for the American people. All right. You heard Tulsi Gabbard. She was trying to get in there, and she did a really good job with the interview. I saw it in its uh, totality. So he answers that part of it. That either satisfies some people or, you know, they, they say, oh, my God, these more questions than answers now. So you, sometimes you can never uh, satisfy and you almost set yourself up. But I think he did have to respond to all of this. There was a lot of reporting uh, and people talking about things that he said that weren't true, things that he said that were only partly true. And then if you let a story get ahead of you, you can you can get whipsawed pretty bad. I want to continue with this interview because he also responds to this issue about whether he's Catholic or whether he's Jewish. He responds directly to Tulsi Gabbard's questioning about that. Dan, cut 11. My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not not being raised a practicing Jew. I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. So, look, I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. I, I'm going to reassure this once and for all. I'm not a facade. I'm not a persona. I, I have an extensive career that I worked really hard to achieve. And I'm going to deliver from my experience, because I remain committed in delivering results for the American people. I campaigned on inflation. I campaigned on crime. I campaigned on education. I campaigned on delivering resolve for the American people. You're listening to Congress member-elect George Santos of New York's 3rd Congressional District on The Guy Benson Show. Now, this is also a very important part of the interview because he has to be able to explain, is, is his resume completely false? Is it slightly embellished? Uh, is, is this debatable? Is it, is it black and white? And this answers the Goldman Sachs and the Citigroup stuff. Very important part of the interview, Dan Cut 12. I agree with what you're saying, and as I stated and I continue, we can debate my, my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman is and Citigroup. Is it debatable or is it just false? No, it's very debatable. No, it's not false at all. It's, it's debatable. I can, I can sit down and explain to you what you can do in private equity, in, in capital intro, via servicing limited partners and general partners. And we can have this discussion that's going to go way above the American people's head. But that's not what I campaigned on. I campaigned on delivering results wow. for the American people by, by lowering inflation. I can sit down. And if you want to have that discussion, I'd be glad to, Tulsi, to explain that to you Co and Congress make sure that we, we, we settle the score. You can see he's he's getting it's a really good interview because Tulsi doesn't doesn't back down. There are interviews like this. If you if you had the reverse of this, if you had a Democrat member elect, they would go on one of those horrifically bad uh, Democrat appendages of the Democratic National Committee. And it would just be a completely soft just ridiculous interview where a person would just be able to say anything, not be challenged, and probably even be commended uh, for their honesty. I mean, it would be that repulsive. It would be that ridiculous. Tulsi pushes back, does a really good job, doesn't do it in a uh, off-putting way, but does it in a very good, aggressive, journalistic way. 
I like the part where uh, the discussion went back and forth. It, whoa, whoa, is it false or is it debatable? And and that was terrific because it gave it actually gave Santos an opportunity to say that it's debatable. On that point, I will say this. If you never work directly for the company, you shouldn't say that you work for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup. I'm a fill-in guy for guy. I don't ever say that I work for Fox News. I'm a fill-in guy. It's understood that I've done some fill-in work, so I've been on the channel, but he shouldn't have said that he worked for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. He should have said he's worked, you know, from the outside with another company and worked directly with these two uh, financial institutions. But he did say that he worked for the firms, not with the firms. That's a distinction with a difference. I thought he actually handled that pretty well. He's caught in, in a embellishment. I don't know that that is a flat-out lie, but it's close to it, but it's at least resume embellishment. You know, I always believe when you see people like Blumenthal, and I know someone in our local area that stole honor, your record and your background is typically more than good enough. Don't You don't have to say you were a Green Beret. If you have honorable service in the military, it's, it, it is more than good enough. You know, 20, 29 out of the 45 American presidents of, in history have some level of military experience. It's very good on the resume. We might find a way to squeeze that in a little bit later on Guy's program. There was a poll taken on what the American people want to see in their president. And as a bonus, military experience was considered a bonus that people like to see. But you don't have to embellish the record. Your record is good enough. Him saying, I have a finance background, I worked with firms that worked directly with Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, that, that, would, have, that would have broken through with voters. Let's continue. Uh, this went on to give Representative-elect Santos of New York's 3rd Congressional District the opportunity to try to explain exactly what he does and how he worked. With the firm. So, what Tulsi also did that was very good on this was the follow up many times is better than the first question because she pressed on, um, okay, so how did this, how does this work? How, how, you know, you say you worked with them, you know, how did you work with these firms? Dan, cut 13. If you give me the time, I can easily explain it for you, as, as in when investors are looking for capital and I'm sitting there doing due diligence on the, on the appetite and what they're looking for, right? And we work alongside GPs and LPs to help them place this capital. This is what I was doing, and that's when I worked extensively with these firms and many other firms at my time as I was v vice president of Linkbridge Investors. So this isn't a, a made-up narrative, but I feel like nobody really wants to sit down and talk about it. Everybody just wants to push me and call me a liar. Well, that's easy to say because you did lie. So I, I get it. You're, you're, you're trying to uh, swim uphill here, and it's tough. You know, you can get uh, a tidal wave on you. Uh, that's up for people to decide if, he, if he's answered this. I still say, and we're going to get out of here in just a moment uh, and be right back. More of the Guy Benson Show coming up. I would not resign. The margins are too close. The Democrats would never do it. You shouldn't do it. And there are a number of Democrats that have worse 
resume embellishment than this. That's a bad sometimes explanation to just talk about, well, that's what this one did this. But it's still uh, something to consider. I wouldn't resign if I were him, but he's got a lot to make up for. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. I'm working with Team Christine, so you know I'm in really good hands. Thank you, Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy Benson, who will be back right after the holidays. This is the Guy Benson Show on a big news day. A lot of great guests coming up, so stay with us uh, for a lot of important news, a lot of important updates on today's edition of the Guy Benson Show. When the Democrat media wants you, and I have to say the Democrat media, because the New York Times reporter that went after this, why doesn't he go after Joe Biden and Blumenthal and go get everybody? Then I would be right in line saying this is fair because you're treating everyone the same way. They're really after this guy because they know that perhaps they can stop Kevin McCarthy from being speaker. And that's always mischief that they'd love to create, saying, oh, my gosh, the Republicans can't even pick a speaker. They they uh, this is the first time in 100 years that the, the election for speaker will go to a second ballot and all this all this nonsense that they try to make new noise and news out of nothing. But when you start having people lining up and it's not just Democrats and the Democrat media, you have the Republican Jewish Coalition, for example. Excellent. And I, I encourage you to read it. Excellent, fair and balanced Wall Street Journal article about this. And they say, quote, we are very disappointed in Congressman-elect Santos. Uh, he deceived us, and he misrepresented his heritage. That's the stuff that starts to become the death of a thousand cuts. Uh, the New York Times reporter is saying he has more or there is more. So they're going to try to do this. I, I will say this. It's bad. It, I would say that anybody who thinks they know exactly how it's going to turn out, uh, I don't know how you could say that. Because I think uh, it's very tenuous right now and, and a lot remains in doubt. However, Kevin McCarthy needs every single vote and Santos is a solid, undeniable McCarthy vote. That's probably the most important thing that he has going for him. We'll be back. Matt Finn joins us from Eagle Pass, Texas, right at the border next. It's the Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in today 
for Guy Benson, who will be back right after the holidays. Breaking news, important news. And, you know, when you criticize, when you think that the Biden administration is doing certain things wrong, and let's be honest, they do a lot very, very wrong, very questionable. But I think when they do something that's right, you have to be upfront and you have to be decent and you have to be to do the right thing and, and say it. So I'm not just going to report this. I'm going to say they're doing the absolute right thing. And I was unsure because of the Biden family relationship with China and a lot of financial transactions and things. You always wonder if someone is compromised and will that affect decision making. The Biden administration, they're not first in the world, but this is a, a very good decision. The Biden administration has made the decision that those who come to America from China will be tested for COVID-19. Now, I don't have every detail about this in front of me, but I'm sure if you test positive, you're not getting in any further. Uh, Wyatt shared with me something that's extremely illustrative, and that's that those coming from China to Italy, they were already with this policy in place, 50 percent, five zero, 50 percent of those coming from China to Italy tested positive for COVID-19. Now, that's very significant. We've got basically two variants right now, a B variant, and then you have the Omicron variant, which for most people has been very mild. Some people have had it and don't even know it, most likely. And it's not been anything like Alpha or Delta. Look, they got a world of hurt right now. They have tremendous uh, COVID-19 outbreak right now in China. Uh, The numbers are staggering. Uh, Their lockdowns didn't work. It it, it is a full-blown outbreak. And we don't want some new variant. It's tough to keep out. But if we can avoid it, I think this is a very, very good change uh, and necessary. I I think they should have done it even a little bit sooner. But this um, this is a positive coming from an administration that's very slow when it comes to certain things where they just don't seem to do the right thing. It's a very, very uh, big decision, and it's the type of decision that can really, really help uh, this country. So Fox News has reporting on this at foxnews.com, and the CDC announced the new testing requirements for travelers from China. This is, date, this is breaking news uh, on the Fox News channel and on the digital platform of Fox News. Uh, so you can be be guided accordingly. Uh, all that information is on the digital platform available. I know that Guy is a big sports fan. I know that he covered sports uh, in college and even a bit beyond. I know that Wyatt and Dan are big sports fans. You have Sean Payton right now. He's kind of in the news. He It looks like he may be the next quarterback. I'm sorry, sorry not the next quarterback, but I'll be talking about a quarterback in a second. He may be the next head coach. It could be back to the future. Sean Payton may be going back to the New Orleans Saints. I, I think from several people that I've talked to uh, today, this this seems like uh, it could be in the works. That, that, that is not a Guy Benson show exclusive. Uh, it's just, just telling you some of the things that we're hearing. And I said Sean Payton's in the news. Sean Payton is actually saying that, 
the legendary Dallas Cowboys quarterback and Monday Night Football uh, lead color commentator with Joe Buck as your play-by-play man, Troy Aikman. That Troy Aikman, according to Sean Payton, is or should be the first pick of the Denver Broncos for their next head coach. It is interesting when you see players and former players and things like that. Uh, remember what Gruden did. I mean, Gruden had, a, oh my gosh, he had a tremendous, tremendous contract and was very successful and went back to coaching. Coaches want to coach. They get burned out and they decide they're going to leave, but they always seem to come back. It's like that boxer, that fighter that always has one additional fight in them. Joining us right now, live from the Eagle Pass, Texas border, is a great one for the Fox News channel, Fox News national correspondent, Matt Finn. Matt, it's Harry. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, you're there and you're seeing it. Tell us, with Title 42 extended, so still in effect, what are things looking like right now, Matt? You know, it's really just another day at the border. Our crew has seen maybe two or three smaller group of uh, migrants cross into the United States. Uh, we actually, a short while ago, saw a, uh, a gr- uh, group cross the pretty frigid Rio Grande River. They were darting from Mexico across the water. And then, as usual, the U.S. National Guard kind of welcomes them, assists them, make sure that they don't drown or fall over. Uh, and then the Border Patrol agents process them, put them in a bus. Uh, men, women, very young children in that particular group. And then at the, uh, the same time, we saw the National Guard kind of bolstering their posture down here. Um, we've noticed there's been a lot, of, a lot more Humvees. Like there's a series of Humvees lined up uh, against the border where we are here in Eagle Pass. And then also they, uh, the National Guard men were installing new uh, razor wire on top of uh, cargo containers that were already down here. They, they actually put the razor wire on top of the containers basically to heighten uh, you, you know, the security or the, the protection. And so we uh, inquired with Governor Greg Abbott's office, and they said that they are bolstering, you know, their defense uh, all across the southern border. Uh, you know, so the day after the U.S. Supreme Court uh, ruled against the Biden administration uh, extending Title 42, there are still, you know, illegal migrants and asylum seekers crossing into the United States. Uh, I can't really tell you the broad picture all across the southern border, but I can tell you what I'm seeing here in Eagle Pass, and it's kind of business as usual. And, Matt, these statistics from the Fox News tracking data, just unbelievable. The estimate if Title 42 ceases to exist. So for those listening to The Guy Benson Show that don't know the schedule, the United States Supreme Court will take oral arguments in February. Then sometime probably in the spring, they'll make their decision. And you never know with this kind of thing, Matt. I know you're on top of all these things. 5-4 to keep it in place just to hear the case doesn't necessarily mean it's 5-4 to keep Title 42 in effect. I, I have to say, I think Gorsuch is very compelling. I'm, I'm thrilled with the decision because I think it would have been an absolute disaster with no plan with the Biden administration to deal with what was going to be brought to bear. So I'm happy that the Supreme Court put the, put the brakes on this for a bit. But Gorsuch makes a very good point. I mean, if it's not a COVID emergency, uh, what's... What's how's Title 42 defendable? But I am glad that it's at least in effect for now, because we wouldn't like very much as a country what this would look like without it. Your comment about that, Matt. 
Well, you know, even here on the ground, Texas DPS says, look, we understand that this was a policy based on, you know, public health, and it's not going to last forever. It's not sustainable. Eventually, it's going to go away. And then what? You know, what is the, what is the White House and the Biden administration going to do then? Um, so it, it is um, a very fascinating issue. Um, you know, so far, I, I think that it's, you know, um, I think about a third of um, illegal migrants have been turned away. Uh, the, the statistic isn't that high based on how how much Title 42 is using. And my colleague, Bill Malusian, as everyone knows, has covered the, the border so uh, with such excellence. You know, and he says his his opinion, you can look on his Twitter account, is he thinks this is more of um, becoming more of a diplomatic issue now than even, you know, the public health scare, because even the president said that, the you know, the um, – the pandemic is over. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens in the spring. But, you know, even over in El Paso to the northwest from where I am right now in Eagle Pass, you know, on Fox News, we've been showing the images of that very large uh, tent-like structure, yeah. uh, larger than a football field. Uh, and, you know, there was, you know, Bill, Bill has been reporting that that was installed, you know, in anticipation of Title 42 potentially coming to an end sometime this week, but also, of course, because of the ongoing surge there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, you know, those type of structures and precautions that have been put in place, you know, whether they'll stick around until the spring when uh, when the Supreme Court hears this case. But, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, um, Title 42 aside, there's there really isn't any mitigation or any efforts to slow down the, the illegal immigration. Right? I mean, they're being anyone who appears is being welcomed and processed. And and, you know, you look at the numbers from December 23rd to December 25th, 14,700 uh, apprehensions and, and I think uh, 10,000 plus released. Right. So, you know, Title 42 aside, they're really uh, from our point of view, our observation, our ongoing reporting here at the border. There's nothing being done to slow it down. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris has kind of talked about root causes. Right. Um, not sure what what has been done since that statement uh, to slow down the root cause of the illegal immigration. And we talk to migrants. You know, you'll see in Bill's reporting, you'll see in my reporting, they tell you the border is open. That is yep. the word on the street. Texas DPS will tell you the, the border is open. That is why we're seeing what we're seeing today. I just I interacted with some migrants who crossed into the United States. I said, where are you from? They start cheering. Cuba, you know, cheering. We're here. We made it. No, good, good for them. You know, this is a humanitarian crisis. They, they probably um, went through some perhaps undesirable travel experiences. Some people obviously die on the very dangerous migration here, but they were cheering, you know, um, and, and that is that is the, uh, the sentiment from many of the migrants we talked to. We made it because it's an open border. We survived the, um, the excursion here, and now we're here. You are listening to Matt Finn, Fox News national correspondent, live from Eagle Pass, Texas border. We're obviously talking about things at the border right now, Title 42, Matt knows this. I want to let guys, listeners know this. It's estimated with the Fox tracking data that if Title 42 ends, we are looking at 14,000 per day border crossings, 420,000 per month, 5,100,000 per year. Obviously unsustainable and and an and absolute catastrophe and crisis. I'm curious about this. We think of Mexico, Matt. We think it's always hot and there's no problem. What's the temperature been like? What's that water temperature like that people have you know to go what? through? Yeah, so I've been here mostly in the summer and late fall when the you know the temperatures hit uh, triple digits here. Now, you know, before the sunrise comes up, we're in the 30s, the 40s. It, it is cold. The water temperature, I imagine, is frigid. You know, we actually a short while ago saw that group uh, come out of the water. They were shivering. 
And um, it, it is it's chilly for our, for uh, Southern Texas, and I think there's just been kind of an unusual cold recently. And then you see video of um, you know migrants in El Paso, and they're laying on the ground with Red Cross blankets. Um, so you know the threat in the summer, as we know, is that intense heat. Right now, it is the cold. Matt, this is going to sound like Captain Obvious, but I do want to get your response on this. President Biden, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Alejandro Mayorkas, they will all say with a straight face, it's amazing they, they, they just say this with such ease, that the border is secure. But yet, Matt Finn, you talk to people from the Border Patrol, uh, the, the migrants themselves, they're all coming because they know the, the exact opposite is true. The border is open. Do they understand that they have lost all credibility when they say that? Well, like I said before, define secure, define open and closed. Because from our eyes and what our cameras are able to show you for the past year and a half is that people are are actively pouring over the United States southern border. The, the National Guard welcomes them, uh, sometimes has to escort them across the Rio Grande River. We witness it with our own eyes. You know, um, uh, multiple um, uh, legal migrants or asylum seekers have told us, have told Bill Malusian, the word on the street is the border is open. You know, you could talk to Texas DPS. They will tell you the word in other countries is that the border is open. And that is why we have seen the unprecedented historic surge that we have seen. So I would ask the White House and, and the spokesperson to define open and close what exactly that means, what secure means, uh, because obviously our Griff Jenkins, uh, has he's been reporting, he has excellent sources here, that hundreds and hundreds of people have died uh, at or near the border as well. You know, there are innocent people who are dying in, the, in their attempt to cross the border. So it, it, that to me is not secure. That to me is not safe. And um, and it seems it seems open from our observation. I don't see anyone being turned away and I'm not I don't see any complete closure. We see gaps where migrants cross into the United States. And that, to me, uh, says open. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm in the Matt Finn camp. Matt Finn, Fox News national correspondent, two minute drill or so. The the you as a reporter and you're a good one. You as a man, you as an American. What's that like? Because we most of us other 330 million Americans, we know what we hear. We know what we see on the Fox News channel. We know what we hear with your hits, with Bill Malusian, with my friend Griff, uh, who we're going to visit with tomorrow on the Guy Benson show. So we know what we hear. What's it like that you actually are right there and you are witnessing throngs of people just walking, swimming, I guess, at some points, wading in and then walking right into America? Is that surreal? It is surreal. It is heartbreaking. It is heart-wrenching because as a fellow human, I mean, just a few hours ago, I saw a young father carrying a young child across a very cold Rio Grande River. I don't care what your politics are, what country you're from, to see something like that, to, for a parent to potentially put their child's life at risk is, is devastating. And look, I understand the, 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 uh, the will and, and the desire to get to the United States. These people are, many of them, especially in the groups that surrender, the groups that surrender, uh, you know, authorities will tell you are largely seeking a better life. They want to work. But it, it is devastating. And, you know, in, in the summer, in the extreme heat, extreme heat, you know, we're talking 100 plus with the southern Texas humidity. Uh, people are, are gasping for air, uh, about to pass out from, you know, heat exposure. 
again, with their children. Mm. And, you know, you, we've heard the stories, the, the horrendous stories of people traveling hundreds and hundreds of miles by foot. You know, some say they were sexually molested. Some say they were robbed by authorities or by civilians. Uh, and it, it's heartbreaking. You know, and I don't know about you, but I, if I had the option to leave behind, you know, a third world country or a communist country and take a stab at the American dream, I might just do it myself. I understand, yeah. you know, and so my heart goes out to these people. It is absolutely a humanitarian crisis, but allowing this to continue or, or you know, continuing the green light to remain on, I think, is perhaps the problem. These people are going to continue to come until they realize they can't. And, and so, uh, you know, that is the question I would pose to the, to the White House or to the federal government is, you know, do you talk about the root causes? What is being done to, to address that? What is being done to stop this in the countries of origin? You know, I talked to someone just a few hours ago who cheered, said they're from Cuba. They cheered they're here so they know they can make it in. But it's devastating. And, and there's no um, – you can't stress enough – the, the suffering that you witness, yeah. both in the heat and the cold and obviously the lack of food. And then what, what happens once, yeah. once these people get Matt, here? Matt, I don't want to stop you because this is exactly what I wanted to hear you say to guys, listeners, but we're at the hard break. Keep up the good work. Stay safe. And uh, I hope we get to talk again sometime soon. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, Matt. It's Matt Finn live. That's the heart. That's, that is perfect. What we just heard there. It's so understandable. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back. It's The Guy Benson Show. Team Christine on the job today. Christine, Wyatt, Dan, yours truly, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holidays. Coming up right after the top of the hour break, the great Gordon Chang. If you want to talk about what really is going on in China, and what the direct nexus and, and impact it is to America. Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China, he's the one to go to. We're going to talk TikTok. We're going to talk about China, very provocative, with something like 71 missiles and some drills near Taiwan. We're going to talk about the new policy of testing those coming in from China to America for COVID-19. I think that's a big decision and an appropriate one. Gordon Chang is next. This is The Guy Benson Show. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holidays. Well, I mentioned right before the break, I was talking behind the great Gordon Chang's back. Basically, if I can pick one person in America to talk about China, to talk about China from the perspective of the impact on America, Gordon Chang is your man. Uh, author of a phenomenally successful book, The Coming Collapse of China. You can check him out on Twitter at Gordon Chang. Uh, simple enough. His name is his handle. And Gordon, it's a pleasure to welcome you back to The Guy Benson Show. Well, thank you so much, Harry, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Now, let, let's talk about this big news that just came in. This is the absolute right decision, in my estimation, and I know I'm not going to be shocked and, and, and have you have a split decision on this. The Biden administration, I think they're a little late, but they made the decision, actually more prompt than they typically do on these things. They usually let things hang out longer. They've made, I know you know this, Gordon, they've made the announcement that there will be COVID testing requirements on travelers from China. Uh, my friend Wyatt, who you know, uh, producer here, uh, told me that 50% of those coming from China to Italy 
in the recent past have all tested positive for COVID-19. This is very appropriate that we're going to do this, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'd like to see um, a couple things, though. Um, and, in, and yes, um, two uh, airplanes arriving from one from Shanghai, one from Beijing into Milan. Almost half the passengers had COVID-19. And we can expect the same uh, on flights from China as well. A couple things I'm concerned about. Um, first of all, Chinese authorities haven't shared any sort of information about the current wave of COVID-19. So we don't have sequencing um, for information. Um, I don't know exactly what we should be testing for in those circumstances, because it could be COVID-19, could be some other diseases. And so therefore, I think that until the Chinese authorities start cooperating on that, we should not be allowing any arrivals from China. Also, I understand that the testing is going to be done in China, um, and it can be done as much as 48 hours before arrival. We know that this disease is ripping through the Chinese population. Um, A couple Tuesdays ago, there were 37 million infections on one day. So I think the testing should be done on U.S. soil as well, um, because there could very well be infections during uh, the testing in China and the arrival in the U.S., could not agree more. That that actually makes this so loose, it can't be trusted. Yes. And, and I think that, uh, you know, it, COVID-19 right now is, is mutating in, as it works through China. Um, and uh, we don't know that 100 percent, but it's clear that it has to be because um, it is going through populations really, really fast. So, for instance, according to those um, minutes of the National Health Commission, which were not supposed to be public, we learned that in the first 20 days of uh, the, this month, there was 250 million estimated infections. Now, when a disease goes through a population like that so quickly, there are going to be some mutations. And there are also other diseases that are now circulating through China, as they are in the U.S. So right now, um, this is sort of a, um, a box which we don't quite understand the contents of. You're listening to Gordon Chang on The Guy Benson Show. And when China estimates 250 million people with COVID-19 since the, the, the end of their zero COVID policy, shouldn't we just de facto uh, say that they're not telling the truth, that it's many more than that? know that they're not telling the truth because those were minutes that were leaked by somebody who obviously was very concerned about the disparity between the official numbers and the numbers that um, that they were seeing inside. And, and you know, China has, I, I can understand that when the disease is goes this fast, and this is the fastest viral infection in history, it, authorities just can't keep up with the numbers. Yeah. But the point is that China has been putting out numbers nonetheless, which are at variance with everything that we know. Um, they were reporting uh, fatalities in the double, in the single digits. When we see all of these videos of these hearses lined outside crematoria, when people in Shanghai are burning corpses on the street because they can't get into um, these facilities, this really is a breakdown in society, at least momentarily. And it shows that the disease is a lot stronger than the regime. More reporting on this at foxnews.com, uh, a very important topic. I want to move on to something that's also, I think, very significant. And you tell us, Gordon, um, from, from your perspective, China sent 71 planes to Taiwan, so they crossed the, the Taiwan uh, median line. Seven ships. This is all in the last couple of days. 
evidently not pleased with the defense, the U.S. defense bill and angry about that. It's provocative. What can you say about it? Yes, this occurred on Christmas Day, and it was one of a series of incursions throughout this month. Um, this has been a big month. Uh, the 71 aircraft on Christmas, that was a record. The 47 aircraft that crossed the median line um, is even more ominous. Um, that The median line is a line straight down the middle of the Taiwan Strait. It has been recognized for decades by both sides as the de facto boundary. In the last year or so, China has um, unrecognized the median line. Um, but any time they cross it, they're getting very close to Taiwan's main island and the other islands Taiwan has. And so this is a really belligerent act. And I think it's related to the problems inside China right now. You know, you have Xi Jinping losing control over the Communist Party, Communist Party losing control over society. And uh, as this is occurring, Harry, you have um, Beijing becoming even more provocative and belligerent externally. Like the big incursion into to India in the beginning of the month, the problems with Japan around the Senkakus this month, um, the uh, pressuring of the Philippines in the South China Sea. This is a time when China is really pushing out, and we've got to be concerned because this means that they've got every incentive in the world to cause trouble um, around its periphery, especially to its south and to its east. Gordon Chang on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. What should the American position be regarding what just occurred? Uh, on Taiwan, I think that the United States needs to be very clear. I think the president needs to tell the Chinese, both in public and in private, that the United States will defend Taiwan, that we'll offer a mutual defense treaty to Taipei, that we will pre-position supplies on the island and troops and have port calls. And yes, the Chinese will get very upset, but no, they won't start a war because even if they think they can win it, and they actually do think they can, they're not going to try because they don't want to accept the casualties. So this can maintain peace. We know that deterrence is breaking down. The Chinese have told us repeatedly since August of last year that we can no longer stop them. And that means um, they'll be inclined to do anything which could start uh, World War III. Remember, we got a conflict on the um, western end of the Eurasian landmass. We don't need a conflict on the eastern end of the Eurasian landmass because that is the Third World War. Gordon, this TikTok uh, issue, and as you know, the U.S. House has banned TikTok on phones for representatives and the representatives' staff. Uh, I don't know how I figured this out uh, long ago. I knew this was some kind of uh, Chinese spying uh, situation. They hooked a lot of people on something that was really entertaining, and then at the same time, they're able to grab whatever data they want uh, and 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 harvest this and do whatever they want with it. Uh, it now all of a sudden, it, it, the truth has become self-evident that this is a problem. Uh, I think this ramped up way too long, and that that smart people should have really dropped the hammer on this TikTok a long time ago. What's your position on it? Oh, you're absolutely right. TikTok is a national security threat for two reasons. Well, one of them is uh, they've been surreptitiously taking data. Um, and they're using that, I'm sure, for blackmail and intimidation purposes. Um, also, the other thing is that they use the algorithm to propagate Chinese narratives, like glorifying drug use, fomenting violence on American streets, which they go. did in 2020 with TikTok. Mm -hmm. This year, they have been propagating Russian disinformation on the Ukraine war. Um, it's a national security threat, and either we should ban it 
or we should force a sale to an American party who controls the algorithm. The Trump administration actually did uh, arrange a sale, but it cratered because um, Trump wisely decided that we had to control the algorithm and the Chinese wouldn't, which shows you why they want TikTok. We, the last numbers I looked at, it was something like 190 million Americans have that on their phones. That's out of 330 million people. That is a, a level of market saturation penetration. So they did. They created something that many, many millions, hundreds of millions of Americans willfully put on their phone and never gave another thought to it, Gordon. Yes. Well, TikTok has probably the world's most commercially sophisticated, um, at least uh, outside of the security realm, um, the world's most commercially sophisticated artificial intelligence. TikTok knows what you want. It knows what you don't want. It is very good at delivering everything you want to see and nothing that you don't want to see. So it has been addictive, and it's very successful. And, you know, kudos to the Chinese for coming up with it. But the point is, it's still a national security threat. And by the way, they don't allow our apps in China, so why do we allow China's apps in our country? I mean, there's so many reasons why we should not be permitting TikTok in our country. I want to turn to the Navy for a second because there's a reason that China has built the largest Navy in the world. And at the time they were building the largest Navy in the world, Obama-Biden, they were depleting our Navy to, I mean, to dangerously low levels. We were going in the exact wrong direction at a time that our greatest geopolitical threat, maybe it's even beyond that, I think I'm being kind, uh, is is building, ramping up. Uh, they're doing that for a very good reason, aren't they, Gordon? Yes, because they want to intimidate everyone, and they want to grab Taiwan. They want to grab parts of Japan, parts of India, the entire South China Sea. And Xi Jinping actually has been propagating this notion that China is the world's only legitimate state. And Chinese officials since 2018 have been talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign Chinese territory. So this is the most ambitious aggressor in history. So, yeah. And and we have been asleep. And it's not just Biden and Obama. Uh, We have uh, three and four stars in the Pentagon who are oblivious. Um, What we really need to do is a clean out of that five-sided building, um, because we have a lot of general officers who don't think war is coming anytime soon. Two-minute drill with Gordon Chang on The Guy Benson Show. How much ground have we lost? Give us your best couple of minutes on how much ground we have lost relative to China from the last year of the Trump administration to these two years of the Biden administration? We've lost a tremendous amount. I mean, we've got to remember that our failure on China is bipartisan. Um, and every American president going back to Clinton has got this wrong, but especially lost a lot of ground. Biden, on his first day in office, actually reversed um, the ban on that Trump put in place on not importing Chinese electrical equipment for our grid because Trump was worried about espionage. Why Biden did that, I have no idea. Also, Biden reversed Trump's ban on TikTok. Trump wisely banned the app. Biden reversed it. Um, We've lost too much ground. We should not be losing any ground at all. That's not to say that everything Biden does is bad. I mean, his chip ban is really, really good, but he's not moving fast enough. And that's the important, important point now, and that is 
time. We need to move really fast to protect ourselves. Gordon, great to visit with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Harry, and thank you so much. You're fantastic. When we come back, uh, this also is, I think, a very important um, segment of the Guy Benson Show. Uh, I've been bothered by this from the moment I learned about it. And look, I believe that, that everyone deserves a vacation. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not petty. I'm not small about this kind of thing. But while literally Americans were dying, were freezing to death, and we had Title 42 hanging in the balance, the president is going to St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, to 83 degrees. That's tone deaf on steroids times infinity. And I, I'm going to crush it when we come back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Team Christine on the job. Christine, Wyatt, Dan. And yours truly, filling in today, Harry Hurley, for Guy, who will be back right after the holidays. Um, This is not gratuitous. It's not just to just take, you know, jabs at uh, President Biden. Everyone deserves a vacation, uh, and certainly presidents do as well. I've always been a big believer that wherever the president is, uh, you can work from that this notion and they the Democrat media seems to do it when Republicans are in office. But when Democrats are in office, it's never a problem. Just imagine if you flipped uh, Biden and what he's doing right now. In And I checked uh, this morning. The high uh, forecast for St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, was 83 degrees. It was uh, about 78 this morning and 83 would be the high. And this is while people were basically freezing to death, dozens in Buffalo alone. So just switch the name. Don't change any of the circumstances. Just switch the name from Biden or Obama, uh, probably even Bill Clinton when he was in, to Bush or Trump, something like that. And you can imagine what the legacy media, the Democrat media, what they would be doing, ripping that person. That person would be tone deaf. How can you leave to warm climate uh, when Americans are freezing and Title 42 is hanging in the balance? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's actually embarrassing. On top of that, this is not exactly a president that's known for working very hard. There's a lid on that White House many Fridays by lunchtime, 60 weekends. Joe Concha has confirmed that, uh, who was your guest host yesterday and is a contributor on the Fox News Channel. Good guy. I heard Joe say it on the Fox News Channel. 60 weekends in Delaware. That's out of less than 104. We're not at 104 yet even because January 20th. It's not January 1st. January 20th is the first day two years ago this January 20th. So we're talking about 60 weekends in Delaware out of less than 100. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's like 65% or something. It's outrageous. It really is. It's totally outrageous. And it sends every wrong message. And look, you can make this, you can make statements from the the blimp hanger, from the, from the plane itself and at the foot of the plane and all of this coming down the steps. You can do all this uh, hypothetically. But the example to set is that I was planning to go with family on vacation 
to St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, but I'm not going to leave just yet. We've got too many things hanging in the balance, including we have to get these um, air airlines back in shape where they can handle uh, when something like this happens, that it doesn't take weeks and weeks you know, to ramp back up. Uh, thousands of flights have been canceled, as many as 7,500 on a given day, still over 2,500 with just one of the carriers. Bad optic, I called it tone deaf, on steroids, times infinity. We'll be back in just a little bit. Congressman Jeff Van Drew on The Guy Benson Show next. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. It's Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holidays. Joining us now on The Guy Benson Show, a great American. I can testify to that because we go back more than 30 years together. Not just a member of the United States House of Representatives. He's my congressman. United States Congressman Jeff Andrew joins The Guy Benson Show. Congressman Van Drew, welcome back, sir. Harry, it's great to be with you. You know, those words that you said for me were very flattering, and I appreciate it a great deal. But I could say the exact same thing for you and what you've done. Thank you, Congressman. Belated Merry Christmas to you and the family uh, and and all of that. And, of course, just a few days before the brand new year and just really just a handful of days before the next uh, Congress comes in. And you'll be right back where you started in the majority. Let's start there. Uh, Is it, Captain, obvious to say it's a lot better to be in the majority than in the minority party? It it is, of course. Uh, um, But what's most important is to be where you belong and to be uh, in a place where you can say the truth, where you can believe the truth. Now, I'm not saying Republicans are perfect, and I'm actually a little nervous we're going to have some circular firing squads in the process of this whole thing, and everybody's got to get on board. doesn't mean we all have to agree, but we've really got to work together uh, to make good things happen. Congressman, let me interrupt and let me ask you about that real quick. Let me just ask you about that real quick, because I think it's an important point that you bring up. You know the Democrat media is just salivating at the thought that Republicans— will be the the uh, the cause of the first time in 100 years, the selection of speaker having to go to a second ballot. Are we going to see something on January 3rd that would be, uh, I think, very unbecoming and it would make the Republicans in this session, I think, look bad uh, if that occurs, if they can't even pick the speaker? This This still is very much in doubt, isn't it? Well, I I think at the end of the day, it's really going to come together. I I think some of these folks – look, let me be clear. I understand that there are many congressmen, including myself, that don't want business as usual, okay? We don't want the McConnell deal, you know, what what he does, just making deals, not that much of a difference between a Republican and Democrat. He's done a few good things, but we want people that are going to stand up, work hard, Fight like hell and bring our country back. When I say fight like hell, I just don't mean argue for the sake of arguing. I mean, you know, really standing up and fighting to make sure that we bring our America home where it belongs. So I understand that there's that concern. But at the same time, we have somebody who has a vast majority of the votes in the House of Representatives on the Republican side. And that's in this case what counts. And that's Kevin McCarthy. 
Um, literally in caucus, and I'll tell you something that happened in caucus, you know, we had a vote, and, and, and one of the gentlemen, you know, Andy Biggs, that wanted to run against him did. He got 50 votes. Yeah. So he wasn't even in the ballpark. And that's not to put cast any aspersions on him. It's just that, you know, Kevin McCarthy has been there working for years, fighting for years. Some people don't like him. I get it. I'm not worried about whose personality I like and don't like. Here's the deal. I think we have to go with McCarthy. I think he gets elected. And then we all make sure that we work with him and also tell him when we believe he's not being tough enough or not fighting hard enough. I don't think that's going to be the case. But if it is, believe me, I will speak up and I'm not the only one. But to have something where we are having a circular firing squad, which is what I've worried about all along, because we're so darn independent as Republicans, and that's good, but it can go to an extreme where you hurt the party and other people so much that you're not effective. We can't do that. You feel confident that Kevin McCarthy will be the next speaker? I still do. I don't see who else it's going to be. So let's talk about people who would, you know, pop in that spot. Um, first of all, let's talk about people who are normally critical, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. She would usually not be with McCarthy or wasn't always. Um, she's supporting him. Let me talk about Jim Jordan, who's a good friend of mine and somebody that I hope to be working with a lot, quite frankly, in this next session. And Jim absolutely does not want it and absolutely supports Kevin McCarthy. So, And there are others. There are many others. But those, that's just two people who normally you would say, oh, gee, they're hey, not going to go with Congressman, Kevin Congressman, let me, let me throw out another one. And I would agree. This is not anybody campaigning for it. But what if the votes aren't there? What if this group, so-called Never Kevin, the five, don't let him get to 217 because it's not 218, as you know, because there's the one vacancy. Uh, of course, there's this George Santos thing, and I want to I ask you something about that, but not dwell on it because we have other things that I want to talk to you about in the time that we have. You're, we're visiting with the United States Congressman Jeff Andrew. I, I hear Steve Scalise quietly could be the sort of consensus alternative if McCarthy can't get to 217. Believe me, uh, I think it will be Kevin if it is not Steve, you know, if for some reason, and I don't think that's going to happen, let me be clear. Again, I support Kevin McCarthy. I've said that from the beginning. I get it. A lot of my supporters have said, you know, oh, he's not conservative enough. He's not this. He's not that. All I know is we still got a majority. He worked hard. He really pushed. He quite frankly raised a lot of money, which people that were these new Congress people really needed in order to try to even get close to the Democrats, which have so much money they don't even know what to do with it. Uh, but I have to say Steve Scalise is a good guy. He is not campaigning for it. He's he not. He supports Kevin McCarthy. He that is, is true. Not. That is He's true. Uh, yeah. too much of a gentleman to do that. And I, 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 I don't think I did, and I want to make clear that there's no uh, impression that I did. I even said he's not campaigning for it, but it's just some of the things that a few people have told me that it possibly could occur. I, I'll go on the record. I think Kevin McCarthy has earned it uh, for the reasons you mentioned, the, the, the money he raised, the campaigning he did all the way around the country, the messaging that he did as minority leader. I, I think he's earned it. And, and I'm hopeful that on January 3rd he gets it and that he gets it on the first ballot. I don't want the okay. Democrat media and, and really the Democrats and the Democrat media one and the same to be able to say, oh, it's 100 years. I mean, oh, my God, you have to go back, you know, to, to, to when we didn't have electricity for anything like this to have ever happened. All right. So let's move. Let's move on from there. Can I say two yeah. things real yeah. quick? Go ahead. 
One, I think you're right, and I believe that's what's going to happen. Second, I wish the Democratic media would really cover some of the unbelievably bad and sometimes good things that are happening. I mean, people don't hear anything. I try to get information out as much as possible out of my shop because literally what you're watching on the news is just not accurate. And you know I'm not a conspiracy guy, and I get along with everybody. It's really bad stuff. So, um, you know, they're going to try to make anything out of nothing. And then finally, you know who I know it's not going to be? I absolutely know it's not going to be Nancy Pelosi. Amen. Amen. United States Congressman Jeff Andrew on The Guy Benson Show. Let's just bring up George Santos so that we don't fail to mention it. I covered him a little earlier in Guy's program. I don't defend uh, resume embellishment or flat-out dishonesty if there was. However, I'm sure if we looked at the resumes of 435 in your house and 100 in the Senate, we would find more Richard Blumenthal's uh, stolen honor and other things. Uh, so if Santos has to go, then Biden has to go because he's a serial. He's a serial resume embellisher and liar and plagiarist and so on. So I say that this guy has to be seated, uh, that the Democrat media should not be able to get away with this. It's so obvious what they're doing. Oh, look at us. The New York Times. This is a bad guy. He lies. And then we got more. And then we got more after we got more. So uh, they know the numbers are very close and if they can knock out a Republican, Congressman Van Drew, they're going to try to do that. No doubt. So let's be clear. Uh, this media, this woke media is going to be looking at every single Republican under a microscope. Yep. Looking at every single Republican action, what they do, the moves they make, not only under a microscope, but embellishing, changing, exaggerating. I mean, we found that all along. Look at all the things that we found out weren't true, starting with Russian collusion. This is not going to be easy stuff. And I'm I'm right on your show here. I'm saying, well, I'm the Guy Benson show, but my man, Harry Early, let me say that I'm literally publicly, and I do, I ask people to really look at things themselves and to listen and just don't listen to the to the woke media because you're going to believe everything's bad, everything's wrong. All the things they wouldn't talk about in the last session. That that was the when that session was over, I literally said a prayer. Thank God it's over. Thank it God terrible. she's not speaker. Terrible. It was probably the worst ever in the history of America. Five trillion dollars, Congressman. I almost called you senator. I was promoting you. Congressman, $5 trillion, just a whisper under $5 trillion, and we wonder why we have runaway inflation and, and, and Harry, probably a second recession stuff. brewing. And it's not for good stuff. I mean, no. it's too much money to begin with, but it's not even like it was for real things to help real people with real problems, even yep. in the traditional Democratic agenda where you're trying to help people that are poor, you're trying to help people that are middle class, that are struggling. It, it, it's, it's crazy, woke religion of climate change. And yeah, there may be some climate change, no doubt, but the money they're spending on, on tree equity and on, you know, literally uh, going to other countries. And, you know, this is all in this budget right now. You could have seen it in the omnibus, literally in the budget, is to go to Egypt and Jordan and to deal with their border issues, but we don't deal with our own border issues. Right. To go to Pakistan and to deal with 
gender and to deal with all kinds of tr- transgender issues and other issues. And let's go to what the hell are we doing? And Why let me go. Going? Let me go to the border with you, Congressman, because this perfect segue. We have President Biden and his friends in the Democrat media that if Governor DeSantis sends a few dozen uh, illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard or Governor Abbott sends three busloads uh, to the Naval Observatory. And you had a very interesting comment about that that I wrote about at length in a column. I guess it was yesterday I wrote the column. Uh, and your comments are basically, hey, why didn't the vice president invite them in on Christmas to that warm, beautiful place and give them a beautiful Christmas? So they go crazy if a couple dozen are brought to their doorstep, but they've brought five million to our country. It's good for you, Harry. It's good for all of us because they think they're on high. They're hypocrites. And God help them in Martha's Vineyard when they saw those brown people coming off the bus and coming into their community, their special millionaire, billionaire community. Um, they tried to you know, act a little bit cool, calm and collective, but they got them the hell out of there as fast as they could. This is a group of people, number one, that don't tell the truth. I've never seen anything like it. You're right about the president. I don't think the president, when he does, you know, he shouldn't speak because anytime he does speak, he lies. Of course, he's on vacation now. He's either in his basement or on vacation. We have the whole, all kinds of crazy things, terrible things, concerning things happening in the country, weather-wise and in other ways. And he's in the damn Caribbean just enjoying himself, just hiding out. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Yeah, it's 83 and degrees I, and sunny right now for him. Absolutely. Boy, that must be nice because, you know, he would have go and talk to the people of Buffalo. They should have yeah. flown him into Buffalo, talk to real people, working people that are suffering there and in other places. Who, and people who, whose families, members die. But nope. He's enjoying the nice warm weather and, 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 you know, the warm ocean and the blue water and the whole bit. I mean, it's enough. I don't know how anybody could vote for him. And the vice president, you know, just wants to get rid of these people when they send them over. I think these governors are right when they're doing that. They're making a point. They're just showing them a fraction of the hell they're going through. What they're doing to these states to these local municipalities and what they're doing to the people who are actually being uh, pushed over the border, the actual illegal immigrants, all of it is horrible. My uh, friend Kellyanne Conway once said to me about the woke, broke joke agenda, this is one of the latest just crazy things. The Marine Corps, it's being suggested, and you know where I'm going, they're being urged to drop saying sir or ma'am. Look at this craziness that we're living with, Congressman. I, I, Harry, I, I literally do. I, I cannot articulate the words about how angry this all makes me. What we're doing to our kids in school, what we're teaching them, we're, we're, we're literally the, the, the chemical castration that we're allowing to, ha- to happen to kids that are not adults. I mean, these things are all true, um, and and literally demeaning and and diminishing our armed services, our police, the strength of America. Let me be clear. What we want from America is for it to be number one, whether it's the supply chain, whether it's the military, whether it's the police, whether it's having strong borders, whether it's the economy. Damn it, we can do this. We have done it. This is two years. I cannot believe how much destruction. Of course, they've been working on this for a while. This is a concerted effort 
And I really want people to know this. I am a very, you know, I, I say this because I almost hesitate to say it sometimes because people think, boy, this guy's being really intense. You know me for 30 years. You know that I'd rather work with people and against them. You know I'd rather say nice things than not. I haven't been able to anymore because this is a concerted effort by powerful people, powerful corporations, some of them, all around the world yep. to change America. They hate a strong America. They hate an America that's run by middle class Americans, and they want to make us like everybody else. We, we have, Congressman, we, we have one minute before a hard break, which I wish was not the case, but it is. What can you say relative to starting January 3rd with Republicans in the majority in the House? I, I know, albeit by, by a small number, but the same number that the Democrats had, and they were able to do what they wanted to do. Uh, I know spending measures originate in the House. I know you can block. How effective can Republicans be in the majority of one of the legislative branches? About 45 we, seconds. We can be quite effective, not as effective as I would like. And we better be effective. So I'm telling you right now, I'm prepared to work day and night. We're going to stand tall, work hard, speak up, uh, investigate whether it's Fauci, investigate whether it's Hunter Biden, investigate the president and himself. Mayorkas, I'm sorry, we have to do some of these things and get the truth, number one. Number two, we've got to do bills. We've got to show the American people this is what we would do. So let's get the Senate to approve it and let's get the president to, to sign it. Let's squeeze him like the soft lemon that he is <laughs> and try to get some stuff out of him. But we have to show people that we mean business. Now, can we get it all done? We've only got one house. We're saying goodbye to the only member of Congress in American history that voluntarily left the majority party to go to the minority party. We've, we've talked about that at length. And then in a few days, you'll be back in the majority party. Congressman Van Drew, great to present you today. Thank you. It's always my honor to be on your show. Happy New Year. God bless everybody. Congressman Jeff Van Drew. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. Welcome back. It's the Guy Benson Show. Uh, let's, in the time that we have, uh, and we're going to be joined by Steve Moore coming up after the top of the hour. Uh, don't miss that. Uh, very important conversation coming up. Southwest Airlines is getting most of the blowback right now. There have been obviously delays, cancellations, all kinds of issues uh, involving many, many thousands of flights. Uh, today, it looks like there were about 259 delayed and a little over 2,500 flights that were canceled nationwide. Southwest Airlines, in fact, in 23 of the 25 largest markets, they have more flights than any other carrier, so they're going to look the worst. Uh, and it's obviously something has to be done. Judge has talked about fixing it and holding them accountable. Much more. And speaking of more, Steve Moore next. It's Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Team Christine. That's Christine Wyatt and Dan. I am Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holidays. What's the expression that I'd rather ask for forgiveness than for permission? Because maybe some of this is not going to be very happy. I wish it could be. For example, I'd be very happy if Steve Moore was on the Federal Reserve Board. I think some of this would not be happening. I think some of this is completely self-inflicted. Uh, that what could have been a soft landing, I think we're in the midst of what looks like it could be a hard landing that we will experience in 2023. 
And I've been saying from the beginning, why did we change all the rules? We had two, then it was three consecutive quarters of negative GDP, which has always in the entire history of America, certainly modern history, the last 10 times or more that we've had two straight quarters of negative GDP, we came out and fessed, you know, fessed up that we had a recession. But because the midterm election, you know, had to, to everything had to be done to help the Democrats, we were dishonest about that. So, Steve Moore, first, welcome to Guy's program. So I think we're actually going to have a double dip recession, aren't we? Hi, Harry. Good to be with you. Merry Good. Christmas. Happy New Year's. Um, Same thanks to you. for the nice uh, comments. Of course. Uh, um, I was actually uh, nominated by I, Donald Trump to be on the Federal Reserve Board. I and, know. Uh, I didn't make it through that process because how dare someone not think like the rest of them do yeah. over at the club over yeah. there. And, they, they, you know, by the way, these are the same people who said that uh, inflation was going to be transitory. Remember yes. that? It's going to oh, go away. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look at look at this. Remember the so, old get smart line? Missed yeah. it by that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, by that much. <laughs> so do we, Steve, you're, you're the bright one here. I'm just a talk show host. Do you agree that we we have had a recession already, correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, first half of the year is mild, a very mild yeah. recession. But first half of the year was uh, the economy contracted by about 2%, you know, 2 or 3%. You know, now that, again, that's a mild recession. But you are quite correct, sir. That, that is the technical definition of a recession, but they've, of course, changed the definition of a recession, <laughs> exactly. so why not that? And now all the smart people say that we will have a recession and perhaps not one quite so mild in 2023. Yeah. So, you know, I still think we could we could avoid a recession if the Republicans come in and start cutting spending, right? Fast hands, <laughs> given yeah. what they did to us with that like, crazy. Yeah, I had to laugh you know. when you said that. That was great. I mean, yeah, I mean, what they, what the Republicans, I'm so mad at the Republicans now, I'm almost madder at the, the Republicans than I'm at the Democrats, because we know Democrats are big spenders, but when Republicans promise us that they're going to do something about the budget, and the first thing they do when we elect them to the majority in the House is pass a massive uh, $2 trillion spending bill. That, yeah, that makes me pretty angry. So we've got out of control government. I mean, look, it's very simple, Harry. I mean, I'm going to make it really, really simple for people because the economics really is pretty simple. Our government is way, 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 way too big. <laughs> it's it's grown, grown enormously in the three years since COVID. And our private sector has been shrinking because, you know, government doesn't stimulate anything but government, right? right. And so um, that's where we are today. I am worried about it. You know, the, the uh, stock market fell again today. This has yeah. been one of the worst years. It's been the worst year for the stock market since 2008. Uh, people lost a lot of money. I don't know about you, but I did um, because the NASDAQ was down 35%. The S&P 500 was down 25%. The Dow was down 10%. So people are losing money. They don't, businesses are, are having a tough time right now. And you've got a president who ha is absolutely clueless when it comes to the economy. So you add all those things together. Yeah, I am worried about a pretty deep recession. You are listening to Steve Moore, Distinguished Fellow in Economics at the Heritage Foundation. And that's why I made the comment I did about the Fed, because I knew that my former boss had nominated you for the Fed. You would have been great on the Federal Reserve Board. Uh, the um, 4.9 plus plus trillion under Biden in less than two years. Steve Moore, what do we have to show for that? You mean in terms of the, the all the spending? Yes. Uh, 
Well, we, what we have for to show for it is uh, the the biggest increase in the national debt in American mm-hmm. history. I mean, it's almost laughable, Harry. Have you heard Biden's speech about how he's done so much to reduce the deficit? Yeah. Yes. And uh, he's he's the most fiscal conservative president. <laughs> I've reduced the deficit. Yeah, he took the deficit up to three trillion. The debt deficit up to three trillion his first year, and this year it's only only I'm using air quotes there. Air only going to be one point four five trillion dollars this year. Woohoo! I mean, can you imagine the hoods of this guy to say, look what? I've done. There has not been a financially more reckless president in probably, maybe probably ever, but certainly not in my lifetime. And I'm I'm a little older than you think. So this is, look, I'm so frustrated, Harry, because if the president that I worked for, Donald Trump, were president today, you, we wouldn't be talking about a recession. No. We wouldn't be talking about 8 9% inflation. We wouldn't be talking about, uh, did you ever hear the term uh, supply chain problems before Biden came into office? No. Nope. It's so true. And and, and obviously this whole, we, we as you know, you were there. We were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. Now we're begging bad people that don't like us very much to loosen their spigots. And, and they he went to Saudi Arabia, lied. Oh, no, I'm not going about oil. And of course, they 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 outed him and said, yeah, he asked us to uh, you know, loosen the spigot. We said no. I mean, emasculating the president of the United States before the world. Uh, and, and they proffer this green energy uh, future well before it's ever doable. You know, think about this, Steve, and I know you do. Uh, and for Guy Benson's listeners, it's Steve Moore. Uh, we have these rolling blackouts. We don't have enough electricity to handle just America with 330 million people living as we do now. How in the world is everyone going to have an electric car? What are they going to tell you like they did in California? Don't charge your car. I mean, this is crazy. And we saw we, we know what's happening now in Europe. They're, they're firing up coal plants that they had shut down for their woke, broke joke philosophy of governance. We have a green energy nightmare on our hands, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, it's not that's not just a matter of economics. Certainly it is because you need you need, you know, abundant and you need affordable energy to run a $22 trillion industrial economy. So it's obviously a huge economic issue. But, you know, it's also a matter of life and death, <laughs> as we learn from, you know, look at what happened in Buffalo. Imagine if, if the heat had gone out and the lights had gone out in Buffalo. Instead of, you know, 60 people dying, you would have 6,000 people yeah. die. Uh, and so these people are fanatical. They actually believe – I mean, do you think they actually believe this, that somehow we're going to change the temperature of the planet by building windmills? Do they think – do you really think they believe that? I don't think they believe it, but they are married to this philosophy, regardless right. of how dirty the energy is. And think about all these um, – the, 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 the mining of these materials that you need uh, oh, yeah. for, for these batteries and the different yep, things. Yep. It's, it's so dirty – and I mean that literally, it's so dirty what they're doing to profess that they are so for clean energy. It's it's beyond chutzpah. It's beyond hypocritical. Well, you're exactly correct on all those things. I would add to that that, you know, one of the cleanest forms of energy we have ever in the history of mankind is natural gas. And for yeah. some idiotic reason, they're against natural gas. Another very clean form of energy that doesn't emit any greenhouse gases is nuclear power. But last time I checked, they're against that. I mean, every form of – and by the way, this country was built on coal. They're against coal. So think about this. Every form of energy that actually works, they're against. And everyone that doesn't work, they're for.
And when you think about all these things during the last two years, we keep hearing a, a familiar theme, and they're always bad numbers, worst numbers since, you know, 1981, 1982, 1983. We're always going back 40 years for the worst of the worst under the Biden era. Uh, for example, U.S. emergency oil stockpiles, which get talked about as our strategic petroleum reserves, they were not intended to be used the way that President Biden has used them. He's dropped them to the lowest level in almost 40 years. Uh, we would be producing, uh, Harry, about we just did a study on this. If just we had just stuck with Trump's policies right on energy, we'd be producing about three million more barrels a day. So if we had done that, we wouldn't have had to remove one teaspoonful of oil from our reserves because we've been producing. We're not running out of oil or gas, folks. We got so much of this in this country, we could put uh, Vladimir Putin out of business. You really want to win the war in Ukraine? I think we all do. We all are in favor of the freedom fighters. Don't have the federal government spend them, send them tens of billions of dollars. Produce yeah. American energy here, and you will basically bankrupt Russia. I mean, isn't that pretty obvious? And then they always say, you know, whether it's Corrine Jean-Pierre or the president himself, they talk about these 6,000 permits and all these things. The oh, oil industry readily understands yeah. that this administration is adverse to their very existence. So how are they going to invest? Exactly. So it's so dishonest, isn't it, Steve? Uh, look, would you – it's very simple. Would you want to invest in, a, in an industry when you had a president who said he wants to bankrupt that industry? Correct. No, right. I no, mean, it's sir. that simple. I mean, he did, he literally talks about out of on one one speech he gives in front of the Sierra Club, saying we're going to shut down American oil and gas, we're going to shut down all fossil fuel use, and then he says, and then he gives another speech to the American people. Oh, by the way, I'm very much in favor of drilling. I've given all these permits, you know. And he also doesn't, yeah, you can get the permit, but get good luck getting it past the EPA, exactly. which is run by Biden, which is going to put every possible regulatory hurdle in favor in, in against you building that stuff i mean it is it, it is very frustrating because we should be we should be number one in oil and gas and coal yeah. production in this in this in this world we have more energy we're a blessed country with natural resources and you were right also harry about our minerals we yes. have five trillion dollars of minerals we've got the precious minerals we got coal we got silver we got we've got everything you would want and we're not mining for it, and therefore you're right. Where are we going to get the the uh, the uh, minerals you need for building uh, the uh, you know for your cell phone for and, the windmills, and, for yeah, the solar panels? That's right. And Steve, you know this. I want guys, listeners, to understand this as well. Every penny that a, that a gallon of gasoline costs you more than it should is a billion and a half dollars out of the economy in discretionary spending. So we're paying exorbitant. It was what two twenty. When our former boss, I worked for him uh, in the hotel industry, you for the administration. You're listening to Steve Moore on the Guy Benson show. Uh, when President Trump left, it was like 220 a gallon, and we know we went. I know I I have to use the super unleaded for the car that I drive. It was it was crazy. It was crazy what the price was. So they remember President Biden when the price was going up. A president has no control over the price of a gallon of gasoline. It starts to come down. Not to near near where it was, but it starts to come down, and then they have the audacity to say President Biden's policies are working. It's bringing the the price down. They they are so dishonest. It's it, and they do it with ease, don't they? 
Well, they have a, compl- a very compliant media, as you know. Thank God for shows like this that tell people the truth about what's going on. Oh, look, I think Americans are on to them. I do. Yeah. I think Americans want America. To, they understand that it's good for jobs. It's good for American business. It reduces our trade deficit when we produce more energy. You know, I, w- I was there with Donald Trump, you know, when we would talk about energy all the time. And, and, uh, and Harry, he used to, I used to say to him, you know, if we produce all we've got, we can be energy independent, Mr. President. Yeah. I say, Steve, I want America to be energy dominant. Yeah. And we were. We were yeah. on the way. We would, can you imagine Donald Trump going prostrate in front of the Saudis and asking them to increase we, their oil output? Yeah, we, oh, no, no, no. And we were exporting. Now we're yeah. begging. We're begging yeah. to get it. In the two minutes that we have, and I, I yeah. could talk to you all day, Steve, uh, inflation. And whether it's inflation or whether it is Biden's desire, and fortunately, I think the House Republicans are going to be able to stop it, but these 60,000 IRS uh, economic assassins, that, and they were going to come after middle-class America. There's not enough billionaires to go after. They were coming after middle-income households. Uh, the Bidenomics hurts middle-income households the most. It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, it sure is. American households, uh, an average uh, middle-class family, according to the Heritage Foundation numbers, and uh, I work there, so I know they've got really good economists, has lost about $4,000 in purchasing power in the last year. That's a lot of money. That's sure a tax. Is. That's yeah. a tax. And and by the way, you were also right that, you know, the, the situation right now, I'm going to say this last thing. If the Republicans allow that funding to go through, and hire 87,000 more oh. IRS agents to harass us. I'm never going to vote for the Republicans again. I'm done with them. This is outrageous. This is the most abusive agency of government, and they're going to go after conservatives like you and me. I That's guarantee correct. you. Well, they did it yeah. before, my friend Gary Aldrich. They yeah. came after his exactly. organization. They did nothing wrong, but they put him out of business because they put a cloud over them. They couldn't raise, and they went out. I mean, he had a wonderful Patrick Henry Center for Individual Liberty, and they, they yeah. did it to many people. It was weapons. Yep. Even before Biden, they've taken it to a new art form. I couldn't exactly. agree with you more. And how about this? We got to go in like 30 seconds or so, a minute <laughs> tops. How about 18 United States senators voting for that $1.7 trillion omnibus oh, when it should have been? Look, they've been operating on these continuing resolutions for years. They have the oh, yeah. House Republicans coming in where every, as you know, every spending measure originates in the House of Representatives. I did very well when I was in school. Uh, and they could have stopped that. Instead, the the Republicans purposely gave the Democrats this one point seven trillion dollar victory on their way out of the majority. And, you know, the explanation for that. Well, I I heard different things that it was going to fund defense. I'll I'll tell you it. Go ahead. There's there's a an evil party and a stupid party. And I'm a member of the stupid party. Oh, there you go. (laughs) They did say I heard Mitch McConnell say and and Lindsey Graham that it's going to fund the military. We couldn't let them not fund the military. How are they not going to fund the military? If you did if you did a CR, just just terrible. They got rolled right at the 12th hour. Democrats Uh, never do that, Steve. Yep. Yep. We we roll over. And uh, let's get some spinal fluid as a party. Great to visit with you, my friend. You too. Happy See, New Steve. Year. Happy New Year to you. Steve Moore always brings it. We'll be right back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back. It's The Guy Benson Show with Team Christine on the job on behalf of Guy Benson. Christine, Wyatt, Dan, and Harry filling in. Guy will be back uh, right after the holidays. 
when something happens once, I always leave open that, you know, you could just misspeak, not mean something, but it comes out a certain way, and and you take it from there. Now, Whoopi Goldberg had some comments. I don't remember all of it from several years ago, but I do remember that ABC suspended her for two weeks for uh, Holocaust remarks that Whoopi Goldberg had made. I didn't understand it at the time, but they were not good comments. And so she was suspended. Now, in an interview that she did for the Sunday Times, she says that the Holocaust wasn't originally focused on race. And that that just tells me what, what is going on here. There's either a problem or she is very, very ignorant in terms of the Holocaust. Because, of course, Germans consider themselves the master race. They claim that any other race, any non-Aryan race was inferior. Uh, She has now uh, gotten the ire of the Anti-Defamation League, and they have said that um, some of what I'm just saying now, and that she should apologize immediately, quote, end quote, and that Germans consider themselves, quote, the master race and claimed all other non-Aryans were inferior. This is a trope we still hear echoed by white supremacists in the United States today. As a result of the racial Nuremberg laws, 6 million Jews, including at least 1.5 million Jewish children who were slaughtered in the Nazi gas chambers and death camps during the Holocaust, as were millions of others. So they are letting Whoopi Goldberg have it. Let's see if there is a reaction to this. On behalf of Christine, Wyatt and Dan, Harry Hurley, and The Guy Benson Show, wishing you a great rest of your day. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show Happy Hour. Earlier in the program, we visited with Fox News national correspondent Matt Finn, live from the Eagle Pass, Texas border. Let's listen to Matt's update now. Tell us, with Title 42 extended, so still in effect, what are things looking like right now, Matt? You know, it's really just another day at the border. Our crew has seen maybe two or three smaller group of uh, migrants cross into the United States. Uh, we actually a short while ago saw a, uh, a uh, group cross the pretty frigid Rio Grande River. They were darting from Mexico across the water. And then, as usual, the U.S. National Guard kind of welcomes them, assists them, make sure that they don't drown or fall over. Uh, and then the Border Patrol agents process them, put them in a bus. Uh, men, women, very young children in that particular group. And then at the, uh, the same time, we saw the National Guard kind of bolstering their posture down here. Um, we've noticed there's been a lot, of, a lot more Humvees. Like there's a series of Humvees lined up uh, against the border where we are here in Eagle Pass. And then also they, uh, the National Guard men were installing new uh, razor wire on top of uh, cargo containers that were already down here. They, they actually put the razor wire on top of the containers basically to heighten, uh, you, you know, the security or the, the protection. And so we uh, inquired with Governor Greg Abbott's office, and they said that they are bolstering, you know, their defense uh, all across the southern border. Uh, you know, so the day after the U.S. Supreme Court uh, ruled against the Biden administration uh, extending Title 42, there are still, you know, illegal migrants and asylum seekers crossing into the United States. Uh, I can't really tell you the broad picture all across the southern border, but I can tell you what I'm seeing here in Eagle Pass, and it's kind of business as usual. And, Matt, these statistics from the Fox News tracking data 
just unbelievable, the estimate if Title 42 ceases to exist. So for those listening to The Guy Benson Show that don't know the schedule, the United States Supreme Court will take oral arguments in February, then sometime probably in the spring they'll make their decision. And you never know with this kind of thing, Matt. I know you're on top of all these things. 5-4 to keep it in place just to hear the case doesn't necessarily mean it's 5-4 to keep Title 42 in effect. I, I have to say, I think Gorsuch is very compelling. I'm, I'm thrilled with the decision because I think it would have been an absolute disaster with no plan with the Biden administration to deal with what was going to be brought to bear. So I'm happy that the Supreme Court put the put the brakes on this for a bit. But Gorsuch makes a very good point. I mean, if it's not a covid emergency, uh, what's what's how's Title 42 defendable? But I am glad that it's at least in effect for now, because we wouldn't like very much as a country what this would look like without it. Your comment about that, Matt. Well, you know, even here on the ground, Texas DPS says, look, we understand that this was a policy based on, you know, public health, and it's not going to last forever. It's not sustainable. Eventually, it's going to go away. And then what? You know, what is the, what is the White House and the Biden administration going to do then? Um, so it, it is um, a very fascinating issue. Um, you know, so far, I, I think that it's, you know, um, I think about a third of um, illegal migrants have been turned away. Uh, the, the statistic isn't that high based on how how much Title 42 is using. And my colleague, Bill Malusian, as everyone knows, has covered the, the border so uh, with such excellence. You know, he says his his opinion, you can look on his Twitter account, says he thinks this is more of um, becoming more of a diplomatic issue now than even, you know, the public health scare, because even the president said that, the you know, the um, – the pandemic is over. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens in the spring. But, you know, even over in El Paso to the northwest from where I am right now in Eagle Pass, you know, on Fox News, we've been showing the images of that very large uh, tent-like structure, yeah. uh, larger than a football field. Uh, and, you know, there was, you know, Bill, Bill has been reporting that that was installed, you know, in anticipation of Title 42 potentially coming to an end sometime this week, but also, of course, because of the ongoing surge there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, you know, those type of structures and precautions that have been put in place, you know, whether they'll stick around until the spring when uh, when the Supreme Court hears this case. But, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, um, Title 42 aside, there's there really isn't any mitigation or any efforts to slow down the, the illegal immigration. Right? I mean, they're being anyone who appears is being welcomed and processed. And and, you know, you look at the numbers from December 23rd to December 25th, 14,700 uh, apprehensions and, and I think uh, 10,000 plus released. Right. So, you know, Title 42 aside, they're really uh, from our point of view, our observation, our ongoing reporting here at the border. There's nothing being done to slow it down. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris has kind of talked about root causes. Right. Um, not sure what what has been done since that statement uh, to slow down the root cause of the illegal immigration. And we talk to migrants. You know, you'll see in Bill's reporting, you'll see in my reporting, they tell you the border is open. That is yep. the word on the street. Texas DPS will tell you the, the border is open. That is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Today, I just I interacted with some migrants who crossed into the United States. I said, where are you from? They start cheering. Cuba, you know, cheering. We're here. We made it. No, good, good for them. You know, this is a humanitarian crisis. They, they probably um, went through some perhaps undesirable travel experiences. Some people obviously die on the very dangerous migration here, but they were cheering, you know, um, and, and that is that is the, uh, the sentiment from many of the migrants we talked to. We made it because it's an open border. We survived the, um, the excursion here, and now we're here. You are listening to Matt Finn, Fox News national correspondent, live from 
Eagle Pass, Texas border. We're obviously talking about things at the border right now. Title 42. Matt knows this. I want to let guys, listeners know this. It's estimated with the Fox tracking data that if Title 42 ends, we are looking at 14,000 per day border crossings, 420,000 per month, 5,100,000 per year, obviously unsustainable and and an and absolute catastrophe and crisis. I'm curious about this. We think of Mexico, Matt. We think it's always hot and there's no problem. What's the temperature been like? What's that water temperature like that people have you know to what? go through? Yeah, so I've been here mostly in the summer and late fall when the you know the temperatures hit uh, triple digits here. Now, you know, before the sunrise comes up, we're in the 30s, the 40s. It, it is cold. The water temperature, I imagine, is frigid. You know, we actually a short while ago saw that group uh, come out of the water. They were shivering. And um, it, it is, it's chilly for, uh, for uh, southern Texas. And I think there's just been kind of an unusual cold recently. And then you see video of, um, you know, migrants in El Paso, and they're laying on the ground with Red Cross blankets. Um, so, you know, the threat in the summer, as we know, is that intense heat. Right now, it is the cold. Matt, this is going to sound like Captain Obvious, but I do want to get your response on this. President Biden, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Alejandro Mayorkas, they will all say with a straight face, it's amazing they, they, they just say this with such ease, that the border is secure. But yet, Matt Finn, you talk to people from the Border Patrol, uh, the migrants themselves, they're all coming because they know the, bo- the exact opposite is true. The border is open. Do they understand that they have lost all credibility when they say that? Well, like I said before, define secure, define open and closed. Because from our eyes and what our cameras are able to show you for the past year and a half is that people are are actively pouring over the United States southern border. The, the National Guard welcomes them, uh, sometimes has to escort them across the Rio Grande River. We witness it with our own eyes. You know, um, uh, multiple um, uh, legal migrants or asylum seekers have told us, have told Bill Malusian, the word on the street is the border is open. You know, you could talk to Texas DPS. They will tell you the word in other countries is that the border is open. And that is why we have seen the unprecedented historic surge that we have seen. So I would ask the White House and, and the spokesperson to define, open, and close what exactly that means, what secure means, uh, because obviously our Griff Jenkins, uh, has he's been reporting, he has excellent sources here, that hundreds and hundreds of people have died uh, at or near the border as well. You know, there are innocent people who are dying in, the, in their attempt to cross the border. So it, it, that to me is not secure. That to me is not safe. That was part of our interview with Matt Finn live from the border. To hear the whole interview, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Coming up next, it's the home stretch. We'll talk movie remakes with Wyatt and Dan. This is the Guy Benson Show. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. This is the happy hour, and this is happy. Uh, unless you're not a fan of movie remakes, then it's the unhappy section of the program. But I love movies. I know Wyatt and Dan do as well, and... Guys, we're going to have a fun conversation on The Guy Benson Show about movie remakes. I guess the first one, Wyatt, because it's maybe the newest one that is on the tip of everyone's tongue, and that is Pinocchio with Tom uh, Hanks as uh, Geppetto, uh, horrifically bad with his accent as he was in Elvis with Colonel Tom Parker. In fact, I don't think he got out of one role into the other. It seemed like the same voice to me. But on the on the issue of movie remakes, Wyatt, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I I think these these movie remakes, especially these ones in the Disney remakes, sometimes are just not good. I mean, this this I haven't seen this uh, Pinocchio one, but I know there's Beauty and the Beast. There's all these different remakes that are just not as good as the original animated ones, and they just are, are they just don't they don't do it for me. I I would I, it's not as interesting to just agree. It would be much better. To have a split decision, but we don't have a split decision. I feel the same way. It's it's like painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa. I mean, you just you just don't uh, you don't mess with the original if you can't even come anywhere near. There have been remakes that have that have reached you know somewhat close to the original. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a remake that's ever been better. Than the original, but that's a topic for another day on the Guy Benson Show. Dan, your your comments about movie remakes? So I like them. They're a little overdone. I mean, they they get a little lazy in the movie world because I feel like they're just keep doing them because it's an easy way to get people to go to the movies if they already know the title that they're going to see. But there are good ones that have come out. I love the Ocean's movies, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, Thirteen. Um, those remakes, I think, were pretty good with uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. They're, they're a lot of fun. But are you talking a remake? See, maybe the first Ocean's Eleven yeah, exactly. was the remake right. with, from Sinatra and the others yep. in the iconic first one. The, the other ones are sequels, right, exactly. not remakes. So I would agree with you. I love all of them, and I love it when the ladies get into it and kick ass uh, in their <laughs> yeah. version. They might be better than the other ones uh, all combined. But on the title, on this, on the topic of remakes, I concur with um, associate producer Dan in insofar as it's just the title is easy to just recreate a bogus new version. But they're not really changing it that much, right? They stay true to the story. It's just a remake version, and I think it's true. I think it's a lazy. Uh, way to just ring the cash register because they know that people will come out. If you say new Cinderella, new Pinocchio, I mean, it's 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 going to do well, even if overseas and, and DVD later and all of that. I'm not a fan of, of these remakes, typically. Sometimes yes, oftentimes no. You know, it's a good one. Um, a Star is Born. Terrific. It's a great remake. I mean, it's it's pretty close to the originals from what I heard. I think I saw the I, I'm Barbara Streisand one. I'm pretty sure I watched. But the new one with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper was fantastic. And as far as remakes go, I think that ranks up there to me in, in recent ones I could think of that are really, really good. Because usually, why, yeah. I was going to say, Wyatt, before you comment, let me agree with Dan again. That's two for two, my friend, because you're absolutely right. And, in fact, the remake might be better than the 1970s version wow, yeah. with Streisand and Chris Christopherson. That's excellent, but there's a chemistry with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga that is just incredible, and I think it's even a little more edgy, uh, yeah, the, um, the, the role as portrayed by Bradley Cooper. I, I would actually put the remake ahead of the original. That's hard to do. Wyatt, what are your thoughts about both of those points, that it's a remake and which one's better? Yeah, so I, I actually have not seen either of those movies, but I do say I do think that a good remake from the original animated one is I think one of the best Christmas movies of all time. The How the Grinch Stole Christmas with, with Jim Carrey. That he, that he is, is good. He is so over the top. I love it. That's almost like um 
the Grinch stole Christmas meets what's the other one he did? Um, the Mask. He's just crazy in that. Uh, that that is Jim Carrey at his best, insane, over the top portrayal. It is a, it is outstanding. This also brings up. We were talking about this in the meeting. This this starts the conversation a little bit about the James Bond movies. So this is a huge topic of discussion for a lot of people. Which Bond was the best? You know, and none of I think Casino Royale was a remake with Daniel Craig. I'm almost That's correct. positive. Yes, it was. Um, other ones are kind of just their own stories. But I think to me, Daniel Craig is. I know it's the most recent, but to me, it's the it's my favorite Bond. Let's talk about him for a second. Yeah. Is it is it the technology? Uh, and cinematography is just over the top so much better now with CGI and, yeah. you know, things as as opposed to the older versions where really, if you think about it, it's all on the acting chops in the older versions. In the newer versions, explosions and incredible technology and all that. I think that Daniel Craig is outstanding, but he gets a big boost, I think, with the enhancements of modern movie making well also too the older ones were a little bit more satire and a little bit more comedic in, a, in effect and now these newer ones are kind of more serious and get to more like i don't know down to gritty topic and and but you're absolutely right i think the the cgi and things like that really helped them out and make it more of like a cinematic experience instead of just a guy kind of being a spy it's it's, it's a much bigger and you got to go bigger to make it to make it a lot better these days. For that's movies. a role, though, and you think about it, and this also will will fit the topic. It's not a stretch. It's within the the realm of remakes. Superman, for example, you had George Reeves, you had Christopher Reeve. Um, oh gosh, who's who's the guy that he's on Fox News all the time? Uh, and he played uh, Dean Cain. Dean Cain. Gosh, I'm a fan. I couldn't think of his name. Uh, and who's the guy now that's that actually said he's done? Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill said he's done Sad. being Superman. I liked him. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, I mean, so you have that. And there's something to these iconic roles. If you're going to be Clark Kent Superman, if you're going to be James Bond, you have to be able to bring it because you're following Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, Pierce Brosnan. I'm leaving out a few. There was a guy, Timothy Dalton. Uh, and I think Daniel Craig, when I first heard that he was picked, I don't mean small in terms of size. I didn't think he was big enough to be Bond. Right. But I was wrong. He is. He's great in the role. I know. I'm curious to see where they go with. I've heard rumblings. Well, they started, they were saying Henry Cavill actually might be the new Bond. Wow. Not to be a spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen the last one, Daniel Craig is pretty much out as Bond. Is there also or was there if it was at least it was some discussion that there was going to be a female bond? So have you seen the last one? No. So, yeah. So there is someone that because you could take over the 007 role, you know, that's that's just the name of the the agent of the agent. So. So there was a female role in that. And, and as a 007. By so. the way, that's very uncommon for me not to see a Bond movie, so I'll have to rectify that uh, deficiency. Yeah, I hear good things about it, so we're, we're going to do that. But so 007 becoming a female, I mean, that's crossover in, 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 a, in a big way. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I mean, the Charlie's Angels movies with um, Cameron Diaz, uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, was it Lucy? Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu. Uh, terrific. Terrific badass women that can really, you know, could easily be a, a crime fighter. 
Wyatt and Dan, great discussion on movie remakes. We could have gone on and on and on. That was a lot of fun, and we'll revisit that again in the future. Uh, we take this opportunity on behalf of Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Thank you for listening today. We look forward to being back here with you tomorrow. This is The Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.